We criticize our own lack of perfectionism. We stop and talk to ourselves. We're like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I forgot this. Or we are late picking up our kids and we're chastising ourselves for not being perfection there either. Or we had someone come over to our house unexpectedly and all we do is we're like, I'm so sorry. It's a mess in here. Ah, oh, it's such a mess in here. It's not normally like, wait, we're just apologizing for our state of being at all times. And yet we prance around the world treating other people the way we want to be treated. There's two pieces that really emerge for me here. One, if you can't treat yourself the way you want to be treated, it is really hard sell to get other people to do it for you. Just want you to sit in that. If you can't treat yourself the way you want to be treated, I'm not talking about bubble baths and a nice rosé and a book. I'm talking about the inner dialogue you share with yourself. The way you talk to yourself when you're running late or you were less than perfect. To really be congruent and step into your state of power, you need to treat yourself the way you want to be treated. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. Well, hello there, friends. It's been a hot second since we've had a one-on-one alone date on the podcast. And I want to take this time to update you on the year of building my worth ethic, this idea of investing in myself in terms of being versus doing. And I have a lot of lessons and insights. I'm literally sitting here with my journal open. Like I'm going to talk to you about the deepest aha moments I've had since stepping into 2023 with this very clear commitment to acknowledging those elements where I could step into myself in a greater way. I want to be really careful that I'm using language that doesn't suggest that I'm broken and trying to fix all these things. I'm not trying to fix stuff. Although what happens inadvertently is healing, maybe just a different word for fixing. But really what this is for me has been a journey to step into a higher state of power because I feel very called to do some big things and also was recognizing that I was getting caught in some patterns and some stories that were keeping me in a steady state and not necessarily growing the way I really knew I want to or felt that I could. And so that was sort of the essence and feeling that has inspired me to step onto this path and on this journey this year and recognizing it's not going to be confined to just a year. Let's just control all of the yeah, but narratives here. But there's been some big shifts and some big awakenings along the way. And I want to share those with you because I suspect that in sharing some of these inner realizations for me, that it will acknowledge and awaken some of these elements for you. When I realized things were really starting to shift for me was when I would have a series of moments where normally I wouldn't say anything or normally I would be triggered or normally I would try to couch what it is that I'm doing a certain way to be viewed more acceptable by people I know or people I don't know. And I've really witnessed the shedding of this, the idea of not caring, not from a perspective, not caring about others, but really embodying and embracing this idea of not being concerned about what they think. And I had this funny experience on the airplane when I was flying recently to St. Lucia for a mastermind. And I was reading this amazing book. The book is called A Woman's Guide to Power, Unbound. And this cute little proper lady was sitting next to me in business class and she came in and she like put down her glasses and she set down her book and she disinfected all of the things. She was like put together and sweet. Like she put a lot of energy into creating the, I'm going to say her safe space on the airplane. 
And she looked over at me and she saw my book on my lap and she's like, oh, that looks like such an interesting book. What is it about, dear? And I said, oh, it's a book about how to become a dominatrix. And it was just so fabulous to watch this woman's face. There was just this like shock and awe on her on her mouth and on her face. And then she almost just kind of relaxed into her own understanding and her own acknowledgement that like, hey, maybe that's that's kind of cool. And the old Megan would have been like, oh, it's just a self-improvement book all about, you know, I would have said just, and I would have like cloaked it in something. And I would have, I would have shifted what it actually was to try to match who I thought she was, although I knew nothing about her. And in this case, I just actually told her the truth. And in me speaking up about the truth and, and my truth, I saw her relax into her own. And so it was this really funny tale, but it was also this opportunity to start to see in real life what happens when we start to shed these beliefs and these stories we tell about ourselves or, or what our role is and our responsibility is in terms of making other people more comfortable around us. Now, there's still a need, I think, for some level of emotional intelligence. Not every relationship can hold every truth to everything all at once. And discernment is something that will really help you navigate the world. But moving away from making assumptions around who people are will serve you just as powerfully. When I said I was making these investments in myself and where I was going, this was happening on two fronts. So I didn't invest in a group program or thing. I was like, there are two coaches that I want to have in my life. There's two commitments that I want to make in my life. One, I know that I need to level up some mindset and some thinking patterns that I'm caught in. I have a lot of stories that I'm telling myself as to why things need to be a certain way. And I want to work with someone to acknowledge whether or not these stories are true or whether these are just tales that have been passed down by versions of myself that are keeping me confined to a particular narrative. So I needed someone, I needed a guide who was going to help me unlock some of those pieces. And I'm going to bring that guide on the show in the next few weeks because she is amazing. And she's really clear. She's like, I'm not here to make you feel totally comfortable all the time. I'm here to enable you to step into your power at an accelerated pace. And that was what I wanted. And it's been awesome. And so I've been working on those mindset pieces, those inner narratives, and honestly, acknowledging some of the things that needed to heal in order for me to be able to move forward. I figure and and sort of for myself, acknowledge that this healing, and I know we all get triggered when we say fixing, because we're all good enough. And that's true. But there was some stuff I wanted to repair on the front porch. There were some broken steps that I just kept stepping over and stepping around and stepping over and stepping around these, these wounded stairs were actually making every ascent I tried to make that much harder. I didn't feel like I had a, a sturdy base. So the first piece I'm going to do and, and recognize that it may trigger some of you is I'm going to say I did have some things I wanted to fix and heal. I'm going to use that language because that's what felt true for me. I wanted to heal and fix some of the steps on the front porch, because I was aware that there were patterns that always kept coming back to these elements. And then there was this other side that I had committed to, and that was my own health. And in committing to my own health, I did this thing every year, and I think a lot of people do this thing every year, where I would say, okay, this is the year I want to be in the best shape of my life. It was never, I want to lose 10 pounds. It wasn't, I have an issue with my foot, so it wasn't like I want to run a marathon. It was like, I want to be in the best shape of my life, given 
the circumstances I'm working with, like this one particular injury, which is going to just take time to heal. What does that look like? And who do I have to be? And what do I have to do to make that happen? And every year, I just want to be clear, every year I made the same commitment. I was like, I, I want to be in the best shape of my life. And then what did I do every year? I went to the gym with the same frequency and I did the same exercises and I ate the same food because I'm an osteopathic doctor and I know how to eat and I had this whole story that I don't need to have someone else tell me how to eat. And I did the exact same single thing every year and I got the exact same results. I was totally healthy. My blood work was impeccable, but I was not in the best shape of my life. I was not near what my physical body was capable of. And I got darn curious about what that was. And so this really clearly was not about fixing something that was broken or trying to be better or fit into a narrative or put on a bikini or any of those things. I have some super sexy non-bikini bathing suits that I'm very happy with. This was really about being able to actualize my potential. And I recognized and honored the fact that I could not do this for myself, that what I needed was a guide. And so I made two commitments. One, I was going to work on mindset. And two, I was going to work on my health in an unprecedented way because I wanted to see what I was really capable of when these two things started to come together. And something amazing happened for me that I didn't even realize. And that was as I started to step into a whole new state of power and confidence and real acknowledgement and awareness of who I was, I was simultaneously seeing these amazing shifts in my physical body. I was feeling physically stronger than I ever had before. And I share this because I think sometimes we kind of do this either or. I'm like, I'm going to be all in on my health and then I'm going to focus on my mindset. And for me, what has been really powerful so far in this journey, and it's by no means over, this is an update, not the finish line, is being able to watch the evolution of these two things simultaneously. Because increasing my physical strength concurrently to unlocking a whole new layer and state of mental, emotional power has been this really profound visual and psychological reminder of the commitment. I wanted to share that, that if you're feeling this calling of like, oh, I want to level up in a different way, I wouldn't actually not have necessarily thought about this. I mean, it makes sense, but I wouldn't have said do the two things at once. But I would really encourage you to explore doing these two pieces simultaneously because watching the shift happen in your physical state and your mental, emotional state left me with a feeling of complete congruence. And it's that congruence piece that I think is fueling the power. So in the next few weeks, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring on my strength coach so that you have a chance to hear from her. So you have an understanding of what we're doing. Like I'm doing things. I've not missed a workout since, since the beginning of January. I've never done this before. I am weighing my food so that I get enough protein so that I can build the muscle mass I want to build. I am doing this because it is an alignment with the congruent choice that I made. So I'm not sitting here advocating that you go on the new Megan Walker. No, that's not what this is about. This is a just, this is just about me. And so your diet and your goal and the way you leverage food and the information contained in food to get you to your goals may be different. And I want you to hear that discernment and that nuance in me shifting and sharing these ideas because your journey and your intention and your goals and where you want to go are likely different than mine. Regardless. I'm going to give you an opportunity to hear from my strength coach. So you have context around that. So you can hear what it is that we are up to in case it's of interest to you. So the health piece has been amazing. I've actually never felt stronger. The back pain that I've been having for the last two years, 
that is totally gone. Where I had this complete resistance to push-ups, I was like, I'm not doing them. And I could feel all of these like compensatory muscles I didn't even know existed despite having done four years of anatomy. What was happening was now when I have push-ups on my agenda, I can do like 75 push-ups at the gym, not concurrently, get off your high horse. I can just own the push-ups. Like I love doing them. I love feeling like I'm getting stronger. So there's been so many amazing things that have happened on the health side. And we're going to delve into those over the course of the next few weeks. But what I really want to share with you are some of the epiphanies that have happened on a mindset side. And, and as I said, I'm literally sitting here with my journal open. I'm sharing some of these shifts that have happened as I've really started to lean into repairing the front porch and building a whole new veranda on the back of my mental emotional house. So a few things and a few ideas that have just been pervasive. And I just want to share with you some of the top four things that have, that have emerged for me as I've leaned into this commitment over the course of this past year. The first is this idea, this thing that we've always been told our whole lives, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And I got really curious about this because I would treat other people the way I wanted to be treated. And I would talk about this with my coach, Gita. And what kept coming up is that I was really disappointed with how people were treating me back. And then I kept doing this thing where I'm like, I'm just going to keep treating everybody the way I want to be treated. And then I keep coming back to this realization that people are not treating me back the same way. It forced me to really get clear and acknowledge this key piece that we do this. And I think we do this often as women. I think we're conditioned to do this as women. Rather than say what we really want, why don't we just treat other people the way we want to be treated? Which I think sets us up for like ongoing, repeated disappointment in others. Because it kind of walks this fine line of being a little bit passive aggressive. So when we turn around and we start to go, I'm just going to treat people the way I want to be treated, there's an integrity and a congruency to that. But then when we turn around and have a deepening expectation with that behavior of also, when I treat you this way, I expect the following things in return. I expect that you can interpret my kindness and my intention and my life experience and how those energies show up exactly the right way for me to receive them. That's where everything falls apart. And so I really kind of stepped into this evolved understanding of this concept. And for me, this is this notion of you need to treat yourself the way you want to be treated. So we walk around, we're like nice to everybody and we buy people flowers and we open the door for them. And we're so sweet to our husbands. We like leave them a little note, hoping he'll leave us a note in return, but they're usually oblivious to those kinds of things. And then we carry on through the course of our day. And then what happens in our own head as women is we've done all these nice things for other people. And then we have this ugly habit of not speaking to ourselves the way we want to be treated. We criticize our own lack of perfectionism. We stop and talk to ourselves. We're like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I forgot this. Or we are late picking up our kids and we're chastising ourselves for not being perfection there either. Or we had someone come over to our house unexpectedly. And all we do is we're like, I'm so sorry. It's a mess in here. Ah, oh, it's such a mess in here. It's not normally like, wait, we're just apologizing for our state of being at all times. And yet we prance around the world treating other people the way we want to be treated. There's two pieces that really emerge for me here. One, if you can't treat yourself the way you want to be treated, it is really hard sell to get other people to do it for you. Just want you to sit in that. If you can't treat yourself the way you want to be treated, I'm not talking about bubble baths and a nice rosé and a book. I'm talking about the inner dialogue you share with yourself, the way you talk about your own body, 
the way you criticize your food choices, the way you talk to yourself when you're running late or you were less than perfect. To really be congruent and step into your state of power, you need to treat yourself the way you want to be treated. And when you start to treat yourself the way you want to be treated, what will happen is when you put that outward behavior into the world, treating others the way you want to be treated as well, it's completely congruent energy. It is much clearer energetically for the people who are receiving it. And I'm going to encourage you to take one more step beyond that because some of us are still sitting in a state of disappointment. I'm, I'm really doing the inner work and I'm treating people the way I want to be treated, but I never step up and say what I actually really want. Women do this thing. I don't think men understand the sentence, but women understand the sentence. And I'm being really general in talking about male, female, and I'm covering all spectrums. I'm really talking about this energetically. But we do this thing where women, we have this phrase, I just want him to want to do this, or I just want her to want to do this. Except one thing we don't do, certainly one thing I realize I don't do enough of, is get really clear about telling people what it is precisely that we want. This assumption that if we're nice to other people, they should just know because they love us enough leads us down a dead road of assumptions and storytelling. So let's back up. Treat yourself the way you want to be treated and be very clear and explicit about how you want to be treated by others in return. I would love it if you sent me flowers every other week. I would love it that when I have a big win at work, we stop and we acknowledge that and I get to be seen. Maybe you need your parents to text you every day to say hello. Maybe you have other emotional needs, and rather than keeping them on the inside, compassionately share them with those around you so that everyone is playing the same game, so that everyone has the opportunity to be set up for success. This idea of I want him to want to do that is like rom-com fever. We've been like fed a narrative that these people exist in the world who can read every single desire you have in your heart because they love you enough. What if that actually isn't true at all? What if part of your job is to just be really clear on the things that you need to thrive physically and emotionally and with compassion you shared those? So this is one of those things as I stepped into my own state of power, I got really clear on. One, I catch myself when I am not treating myself the way I want to be treated. And it is ultimately my responsibility to set the standard of how I get treated. The second piece is that I need to be very clear on what it is that I need or want. And no one else gets to tell me whether that is right or wrong. No one gets to say, oh, you know what, Megan, I think that's a little bit, uh, I, I think that's a little bit beyond a normal expectations. I don't think you should expect those things to happen. I don't think you're feeling that way at all. I don't think you have, a, no, like I really just get very clear on what it is that I need or want. And I get curious on where the resistance from the other person emerges. So there's a whole bunch of self-worth work that is wrapped up in that way of thinking. And it really wasn't until my coach looked at me and said, we need to do some work specifically around your sense of self-worth that I actually really felt seen. I felt that I had been quite effective for most of my life at gaslighting other people about my own sense of self-worth. And when she said that to me, I felt this instant relief. I felt this instant acknowledgement of the fact that there were steps on the front porch that needed to be repaired 
and seen and had some love sent and sent their way. And that acknowledgement was the most pivotal thing that has happened for me in the last three months in terms of being able to move forward. I simply needed that wound to be seen. And the second it was seen was the moment I could start to repair it. I felt like someone had diagnosed me with ADHD and I could never figure out why I couldn't just focus on one task. Like that was how profound this was for me. I simply needed to be seen in that moment. And what happened is once I could see that for myself and I trusted someone else enough to see it in me as well, as I started to recognize all of the other patterns I was engaging in that were compensating for that self-worth piece. I started to look at my own patterns of scarcity and how I compensated for those. And one of the big realizations I had in that, and we've lost track of the number. Remember, I was like, there's going to be four things. I'm just going to just going to jam with you like I'm writing a chapter in a book on some of the big epiphanies that I've had, and maybe you can resonate with them. But one of the other big pieces that emerged for me was this idea that busyness is a symptom of scarcity. And so while I have lots of things going on that drive lots of income that creates stability, I was still getting caught up in the frenetic busyness, the need to feel like I was pushing and doing things that would contribute to that stability. I realized that I was scared of just stopping and trusting the leadership and systems I had put in place because what if it wasn't good enough? And so really starting to see that self-worth piece enabled me to recognize some of these other elements. And so when I came back from St. Lucia the other day, I sat on the plane with my journal and I wrote the list of things that I needed to let go of, the things that were not serving the broader mission, the things that were not serving my income, the things that were just pulling energy away from me because I've got a busy life and three kids and only so much time for so many things. And as soon as one project would wrap up, as soon as I finished writing my book, there was another project that just like slipped right in to fill its space. And so I really spent time understanding that energy, that need for busyness. And where I came to with that is that it was symptomatic of sentiments around scarcity. And scarcity is not something we suddenly do away with. The need for stability is not something we suddenly do away with. The need for stability and scarcity will always be there in our lives. And we get to acknowledge its various manifestations at different seasons, at different income levels. It seems to be that no matter how much money anyone has, there are still going to be things that rock their sense of security. And so I really started to get curious around that piece. I really started to explore what that was looking like for me. And I really started to see that I needed to actually have more confidence in myself and in the things that I created to drive revenue and future growth and not consistently be building new pieces. That was a new edge of self-confidence that I needed to step into and I'm continuing to look at because if I don't create space in my life, new opportunities don't emerge. And the second I hit pause on some really key things emotionally, I hit pause on them emotionally before I stopped them in real life because you have to follow through on commitments new opportunities started to emerge. I could literally see that happen. I'd been caught in such a pattern for so long that I wasn't open to it. I couldn't see it. One final piece that I will share before the the rambling update comes to a halt is really, and this is something that has emerged for me with great clarity over the last few days, is that I am no longer dedicating my energy and my time to trying to convince people who are still stuck or unwilling or 
unawakened, and I don't mean that in a woke sense, I mean that with respect to their own potential or their credentials potential, I'm just not available to try to convince them anymore that there's something bigger and better for them. And I had this wound that I think it was intended to be fairly harmless. It was someone's own emotional response to me a few years ago where we increased the price of one of our programs from like $99 to $600 because it was an amazing six-month program, not justifying it, just contextualizing. And this person wrote me an email and they said, Megan, how dare you do this? I thought you were trying to lead a movement and people who lead movements don't leave people behind. And then I changed the price back and I sat in that and I was like, oh gosh, I'm being, I'm being arrogant. I'm stepping ahead of myself. I'm assuming that if I say something, people will want to follow. You're right. I can't leave anyone behind. And so I decreased the price of the program and I gave away more stuff for free. And, and I really hesitated before we ever released a high ticket. Like it, it was just the wrong collision of time and place. It had more meaning to me than I needed to. And if you look at the context of other things I've talked about, that sense of self-worth, not having fully stepped into my own state of power, not understanding the discernment and nuance of other people projecting, I really let that hold me back. And what I have realized through my own porch repair over the course of the last few months is that sometimes when we are leading a movement, we need to recognize that not everyone is going to want to walk alongside, that we cannot constantly bend over backwards with what we stand for and what we are trying to move forward to ensure that we are accommodating everybody's emotional state at all times. It is okay if you do not want to walk with us. It is okay if you can't keep up. Because what I cannot do as a leader is run around and pick everybody up myself. What I can do is inspire a culture where we lift one another up, where if there are people on the fringes or people who just need a little bit of support or people who just need an arm underneath their arm, that we set a culture in our movement where we are willing and able to help others along the way. And I'm going to keep marching and I'm going to set a pace. And I'm okay if you choose not to follow. And having that realization, as I do attempt to lead something that for me is a really big deal that I really feel can make a difference. But for me to acknowledge that for some people, they're just going to want to stand on the sidelines and watch us march. Some people are going to want to stand on the sidelines and they want to yell at us because we don't think the way they think. Some people are going to throw things in our direction. And some people are going to complain that we don't stop every time someone needs to tie their shoe. I am okay setting a pace and continuing to march. And I now recognize that not everyone is going to march alongside and they don't need to. And that was a truly liberating realization. And it's really where I want to leave you in this conversation. What are you trying to drive forward? Where a huge source of frustration for you is that not everyone is choosing to follow. What is something that you have decided to believe in or rally behind? And you're expending massive amounts of energy seeking validation and legitimization by convincing others that your way is right. Maybe it's your political perspective. Maybe it's the timing in which you eat. Maybe it is the form of protein that you consume. Maybe it is the assortment of exercises you participate in. Maybe it's meditation versus mindfulness. I don't know what it is. 
but I want you to invite what's behind the need for other people to validate your decision and your choice. See, the beautiful thing that's happening for me this year, and the reason why I said this is my journey and it's an update on me, and maybe it will be helpful for you, is really recognizing that what's right for me doesn't have to be right for other people to still be right for me. And it might sound so simple, but it's just so profound. It's a profound lesson I get to start to hand to my daughters. So hopefully they don't have to wait till they're in their 40s to have these realizations in life. And it is a new base and a new edge from which I get to create moving forward. And let me tell you, creating we are doing, there's some pretty exciting things in the works. I'm not going to talk to you about them quite yet. I just want you to know, like liberating myself from all of these beliefs and all these stories has enabled me to step into a new state of creativity in my business and in my life and, and reorient priorities. And it's a really fun time. So here's my call to action for all of you in this discussion. If you are curious about some of the changes and some of the resources and some of the elements that I'm talking about today, you're going to want to make sure that you hit subscribe on the impact podcast, because I'm going to be having all of my coaches and all of these leaders joining us as part of this journey coming up over the course of the next few weeks. And if you want to follow along with my journey, my thoughts on how things are going, what's working one day, what's not working the next day, the best place to follow me is on the gram on Instagram. My handle is at Dr. Megan Walker. We can hang out over there. We've got polls, we've got conversations. I would invite you to hang out as I embark in this journey. And if it's right for you, you can join in alongside. With that, I want to leave you with the wishes for an amazing and impactful week ahead. And I will see you again next week. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.